0: Let's see. Skype it is. Uh, what is what is my handle? I don't think there's anyone,
1: you know, right? Anyone else who's coming? You mean? Yeah. No one said anything I, at all. Yeah, I haven't heard anybody who's expressed an interest. <laughs> the slackers.
0: <laughs> they really are. So now, um. This one is on the surface simple, but you know, like we said, it's a there's a whole universe in there. Like you could, we're gonna we're gonna spend some time on this thing, <laughs> trying to figure out what the heck's going on. Like, I don't know. I mean, we know what's going on, but like, the difference between what the Underground Man is saying and what Dostoevsky is saying.
1: Yeah, that's a huge part. Like, uh, um. Yeah, I don't know how we should do this. Like maybe for. Let the, me
0: read the intro and we'll 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 get into it.
1: Should we do the forty-two minutes just looking at the actual story and then just go off in the in, in the remaining time, or or should we just yeah, go off probably, right from the beginning?
0: Well, so like there's there's certain things. My hope is that if when people listen to this, you know, it's like, um, they're interested. They don't necessarily have to read the book, and then we're kind of making it compelling to potentially read the book, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, or maybe someone read the book and then they're like, wow, this is a great conversation about
1: the book. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm just wondering about, or worried. I don't know if I'm worried, but, uh, yeah, like spinning off, I could just spin off right away. Um, well, I'll, I'll try and keep
0: you as, as grounded as possible initially, because there's enough. Yeah, just structure stuff, you know, like.
1: Um. Yeah. Just yeah. Just even yeah. Concentrate on the story. Yeah. Um.
0: Well, the story itself is is fairly compelling. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. All right. So then. I'll I'll start into this, okay? If if you're ready. Yep. Apropos of the wet snow. Um <laughs> <laughs> Take two. Take two. Um how did I blow that? There we go. All right. Okay, so that said, with you know, this horrible dinner that um and then the event with the prostitute. Um, hmm. let's see. i I mean, I wanted to to all right, what do you got? you got anything?
1: I've got tons of stuff, but uh, <laughs> I don't know what uh, I don't know how to get into it so much like um, yeah, well, so uh, the
0: thing that I'm trying to think about is how, this this really, really flawed character is saying the the points that Dostoevsky wants to make about um because it seems like there are there are elements that Dostoevsky agrees with the underground man about.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: yes. But he makes them so like, you know, you were talking about
1: Jordan Peterson's reading of Mm-hmm. Yeah, we got to get into that. That might be the way to get into this. Like, okay.
0: well, I, the my, like, the underground man seems like the kind of person that would read Jordan Peterson
1: to me. Yeah, 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 maybe. Yeah, he would. He's he's sort of a an <laughs> incel character. <laughs> it, it, that's the right word. So, like, this is the
0: guy that you worry would become the shooter.
1: Yeah, 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 very much. Um, yeah, I think that's very important. Is saying, is trying to make the distinction of what's the difference between uh, the underground man and Dostoevsky himself, you know? And then that ties into um, the problem with Jordan Peterson, I think, you know, the big problem. Um, and uh, so he, I don't know if you looked at that clip. There was a clip.
0: I, I, yeah, I looked a little bit
1: at, it's, it's it's very short. It's just, it's um, Jordan
0: teaching the class and saying,
1: you
0: know, about, um, and so it seems like the points that he were, that he was making, well, like that was the thing when he was talking about it, I didn't know if he didn't understand that the, like the weird structure in the novel that the you start in the present and then the the second half is in the past. Like it didn't, I don't know if, I'm sure he he read it correctly, but it didn't seem like in that clip that he communicated that. He got, he got
1: facts mixed up, right? Like he was talking about the 1880s and it's actually about the 1860s that they just published this book. Yeah. So I don't know if he was thinking of Nietzsche, like Nietzsche comes probably about 20 years after this, right? Um, so he he does mix up certain facts like that. That might just be a slip, right? But uh, it seems like, yeah, he is sort of misconstruing it a lot. Like somehow he's he's trying to he's trying to shoehorn the underground man into Peterson's own idea of the utopian. Um, so at the same time, he's saying like he's saying that, uh, the underground man is kind of a utopian because he's trying to reform the life of of Lisa, the prostitute. But actually, he's he's not. He he, he doesn't try to do that. And and like you said, he's trying. That's probably a trope, making fun of other people um, who are utopians trying to uh, reform. Like
0: Tolstoy, I think wrote a yeah. whole book about that.
1: Right. And, but, and so and so he kind of yeah peterson kind of mixes up things like so in the same time he's praising the underground for his stance on yeah we are not like the passage the that i just key. read we are not the piano keyboard we're not a barrel organ cylinder we're not logarithms and so the key point of of notes from underground is that uh you know, i'll just read this is a part here it's just like uh One's own free and unfettered volition, one's own caprice, however wild, one's own fancy, inflames sometimes to the point of madness. That is is the one best and greatest good, which is never taken into consideration because it will not fit into any classification, and the omission of which always sends all systems and theories to the devil. What did all the sages get to the idea that a man's desires must be normal and virtuous, Why did they imagine that he must inevitably will what is reasonable and profitable? What a man needs is simply and solely independent volition, whatever that independence may cost and whatever it may lead. Well, but the devil only knows what volition. Um, And so, this is the weird thing. Like with Peterson, you get the uh, he he does defend the whole European Enlightenment rationalist scientific um, tradition. But at the same time, he he's into the underground man. Like he he, he thinks this is the point of Dostoevsky, um, saying that uh, it's actually the irrational will um, that's the center, and it's the irrational will that will prevent any sort of utopian system from from functioning. Um, but what I think he's missing this is the huge thing that I found when I was researching this, and this is a it's kind of what I wanted to talk about most, is uh, there was actually a missing chapter, like a chapter that was censored from the original oh, yeah. notes, notes from yeah. Underground. Um, and this, I think, shows the whole um, point of, of where Dostoevsky is coming from and how how the Underground man is, is different than Dostoevsky, right? Dostoevsky believes fundamentally believes in the same way that uh, uh, we are not piano key we are not piano keys we're not uh, we can't be uh, codified or uh, classified or categorized um, rationalized that's that's all true we can't we can't fit into the crystal palace but. But then he has a different take on it. He's not... With the underground man, he just... He he believes... The underground man believes all that, but then he he just gets caught into his own never-ending stream of thought. He doesn't get out of it, right? There's no foundation to anything afterwards.
0: That's the the interesting thought that I saw was that the underground man read his way because it's all about consciousness. And so Mm -hmm. he does have... He is he is pretty well read. He probably is intelligent. I mean we're getting this through his his consciousness. so it's a little it's a little flawed. It might be a little unreliable, but so he read his way into the underground and now he's trying to write his way out.
1: And so yeah, I, kind yeah. of,
0: I kind of like that where he is he got himself into the, those the spiral rabbit holes. But now he's trying to get, by through the act of writing, he's trying to come out of the underground.
1: So, yeah, the, there's a key point in um, chapter 11 in the first part um, where the underground man says, I am lying because I know as twice two is four. So all the time he's he's trying to say, why can't um, two plus two equal five? That, that's an assertion of my own free will against all science and order and everything free will is higher i can i can imagine that two plus two equals five no problem right but but then he's saying i am lying because i know as twice two is four that it is not at all the underground which is better but something else quite different for which i thirst but which i can in no way find um so this this is the key point and this is where it goes into the part where the censors cut out a section of this. Uh, it, you don't know how long it is. It wasn't. It it, it's, it doesn't exist now. The, the part that they cut out. Um, but he wrote a Dostoevsky wrote a letter um, to his brother, which mentions it, and he says um, the Swinish censors let pass those places where I ridiculed everything, and blasphemed for show. That is allowed. That is allowed. But where I deduce from all this the need for faith in Christ. That is forbidden. Really, are these censors in a conspiracy against the government or something? So he's saying he's saying this part, which the underground man is referring to, there's something else out there, is actually Christ. And that was the thing that was cut out of the uh, of of the original. Um,
0: but what's interesting is apparently he had an opportunity, oh my goodness. that puppy too much <laughs> anyway apparently he had an opportunity to put that back and he never did
1: oh he did okay yeah I, I didn't hear that part like uh
0: so i heard that that like why didn't he put it back in later when he when he could or not even try and so
1: so maybe um, he was um uh, he was leaving it. it. Well how how much later? Like that's a that's a big question because if he's already published Well his I other books, because it was
0: right? serial it was serialized in like the magazine right to start with but I think it was more like um it yeah it it had to do with like changing censor s- sh- um ideas and things and so I, I don't I'm not certain what um, that would be something to look into but yeah I, I heard I heard that story too um but so back into like the the realm of Jordan Peterson and consciousness and um, people feeling smarter than everyone else I really feel like this is a book for our community mm-hmm. or that is like through a glass, dark darkly like this is this is us
1: yeah well it's it's i think it's such a huge book for especially these times now when russia and like people are um like uh commentators on the situation of what's going on in russian the ukraine and russia's and Putin's sort of ideas and the philosophies that he follows. Like people are, are saying that Putin's going back, like we're, we're no longer fighting against Stalinist Russia. We're fighting against Dostoevsky in Russia, you know, and, and people are calling it like a, uh, an Orthodox, a Russian Orthodox jihad, you know, um, which is really interesting. So it it's, it, and it goes, it, goes right into this idea of what's going on actually in the underground like a um so he, he I I came across this um this great uh essay it's in this book on it just on on Dostoevsky in general and there's this one um, essay in there and it's talking about the uh, the Russian literary critic Bakhtin and his response to Dostoevsky and as, especially Dostoevsky sort of uh, religious viewpoint, how that affects um, uh, his writing and his ideas of writing, right? And um, so he makes a, the, the, the guy who writes this article is quoting a lot of Dostoevsky's from different places, like letters and notebooks and things. Um, and I th- I think he, he finds out, he and Bakhtin sort of finds out where Dostoevsky's coming from and um, so, for example, he, Dostoevsky writes this letter right after he comes out of prison. So this is 1854, and uh, this I don't I don't know who this person is, uh von Vizina. I don't know if it's a friend or who it is. Um, but so Dostoevsky's he admits in there that he's the child of the age, and he lacks faith and he has doubt. Um, and he will be until he dies. He's, he says he, he'll be like that. He'll he'll lack faith. He'll have this doubt until until the coffin covers him. Um, but it, then he says, yet God sometimes sends him perfectly tranquil moments in these in these. And then in these moments he he loves he loves people and he feels loved. And in these moments he has this is a quote. He has formed a symbol of faith. And then in which everything is clear and simple to him. That symbol is that there is nothing more beautiful, more profound, sympathetic, intelligent, manly, and perfect than Christ. Not only now, but any symbol that can be in the future. And if somebody, this is the key point, if somebody proved to me that Christ was outside the truth, and it really were so that the truth were outside of Christ, then I would rather remain with Christ than with the the truth. So this is the idea of two plus two equals five. And so the underground man takes it, um, it's the same sort of irrational kind of viewpoint, right? But the underground man, with him, it's sort of this endless spinning thing, right? Trying Trying to break out of this kind of rational crystal palace prison of thought, right? But with Dostoevsky, the same thing, two plus two equals five is... Christ, right? This is a rational symbol that he would believe in even if it was um, proved that it was all wrong, right? Um, And so in his notebooks, he's talking all about this. Like he he continues on this idea. Like in, in, this is in 1864, he says, Christ is the everlasting ideal. Since the beginning of time towards whom man aspires, the entire history of mankind and partly that of each individual is only the development, the struggle, the striving and the achievement of this goal. Uh, man on this earth is only a developing creature. Um, his life is a permanent process of achieving, struggling and through all defeats, refocusing on the ideal. And this is Christ and struggling for it. The teaching of the materialist is universal stagnation and the mechanism of substance, that is, death. The teaching of the true philosophy is the destruction of inertia, that is, thought, i.e. God, i.e. endless life. Um, So it's the same in The Underground Man. Like he's saying all the way through the first part of The Underground Man is that that's the problem, is that um, we hope for a utopia which is a point of stasis where everything comes together and everything is solved. All the, all the problems of life are solved at that, at that moment. And whereas he's saying, no, the, the point is, is continual striving towards this image, yeah, this perfect image, which for him is actually Christ. So the, so the difference of the underground man and Dostoevsky is, is, the underground man doesn't have the image of Christ. It's not there. He's looking for it, but he hasn't found it. And I, I would say that's the same with with Jordan Peterson and a lot of his followers. Like he, um, Peterson talks about Christ. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the belief though. Like, um, and that, so and-
0: with with Peterson, it almost seems like so, you know, the striving. Like if everything was perfect. It would be like you're saying stagnant. there wouldn't that's death, that's not life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost see Peterson arguing for uh, suffering as uh, like maintenance of the hierarchy. You know like you don't want to change the system because you're actually going against what would make people happy by suffering.
1: Right, right.
0: You know, it's the argument. Like, even a toothache is great. I can, I can moan, and I, I'm suffering, but I'm alive.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's. I, Peterson's obviously missing something huge. You know, it's like a, um, I think but that's he's what it is. Able he, he
0: th- to reach people, which is what's so fascinating.
1: He reaches people in the same way that the underground man would reach people, right? Like, so the underground man. When you read those passages, like, man is not a piano key or whatever, or f- free will beyond any system or of categorization or anything, right? It's, it's like, yeah, these things. Everybody's going to respond to in a certain way, right? But then you, uh, then you, then you see where it actually leads the underground man to. And, of course, it's appalling, right? and so so there's that kind of tension. I think that's the tension that you find or I find in um uh, in Peterson's work, right? Like it's there's no like he says he's 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 kind of anti-postmodern, right? But, you know, in a way, the underground man is the is the first postmodernist, right? He's just he's continually spinning. He has no sense of truth, um, no no foundations at all, right? And he's, and he's looking for something. Whereas Dostoevsky, you know, in a way he's saying, Dostoevsky is agreeing with him, there is no foundation here right now, but there is to come, you know. And it, almost he's like Derrida in that sense. Like he's, it, it's, it's always to come. Something we can imagine this ideal, um, which is in his sense it's Christ, and we can imagine going towards that ideal, Um, but if you lose that ideal, then you're just spinning, then you become the underground man again. Um.
0: So that's really fascinating because you're saying, yeah, that for all his emptiness and all his spite, you know, the, the thing that's missing from the book is offstage. Yeah. You have to, you have to come to that yourself as the reader.
1: Through his other books. Yeah. Throughs other uh where writings are like it's easier when you when you are able to see quotes from his um his notes and his his notebooks and his letters right where he sort of puts it out explicitly right uh, like this one he says like this is another a letter he says uh do not lose touch with life preserve your soul believe in the truth but seek it intently all life long or else it is terribly easy to go astray. So always trying to make the ideal clear. Right. Um, And Hmm. if, and if you don't, um, yeah, you go off, you go back down into the under underground. Um, Yeah. He says, this is, what is this from? Okay. So even he's writing even in 1881, which is quite a lot. Later, And he says the same thing, he, even clearer this time. He says, it is not enough to define morality as fidelity to one's own convictions. Even more, one must endlessly stimulate within oneself the question, are my convictions true? So he's saying it's not enough to have morality and convictions, right? You, you have always have to question it. Only one verification of them exists, Christ. No longer philosophy, but faith. Uh, so he's saying this is no longer philosophy, but it's faith. He cannot recognize one who burns heretics as a moral man. So, so he was he was sort of refuting this idea that uh, it's moral to burn heretics, right? Um, but he's saying I have only one moral model and ideal: Christ. Would he have burned heretics? No. Therefore, burning them is an immoral act. You say Christ was mistaken. It has been proved. A scorching feeling tells me. Better that I remain with a mistake with Christ than with than with you. living life has led you only the formulas and categories remain, and that it seems make you makes you happy. You're saying it's more peaceful and quiet, it's more lazy to believe that way, but instead it is moral. it is immoral to act according to one's convictions, and you, of course, cannot find a way to prove me wrong um so, yeah, all the way through his writings, he has this idea of this image, right? He, he says it in the um, uh, Karamazov, too. He says, uh, um, this is the Grand Inquisitor, says this, Jesus declared that man must hereafter with free heart decide for himself what is good and what is evil, having only thy image before him as his guide. Um, so so he's, this idea of this the image, um, so I, I keep thinking of Blake when I read this. It's like uh, this idea of Jesus, the imagination, right? And uh, that's sort of the goal that you're continually striving towards all the time. And if you lose that goal, um, that's it. You're back in the under. You're back in the underground, and then and then you're the most terrible person out there. So the the fascinating thing to me
0: is how both then and now, there's certain things that are all conflated. So like personal belief about truth right? and then and, and also political systems in the mix. Mm-hmm. And like proscribing how groups of people should live. You, you know? And we're back to like the anarchist miracle or um, like there's the 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 idea that the anarchist oh so we didn't even talk about um, David Graber
1: yeah, everything I, I was wondering what you're gonna say about that
0: well, so basically we as as because one of our scientific paradigms is this idea of evolution, it's just built into everything that we think everything is a progression mm-hmm. and so that, we're at the apex of civilization, sure. you know, like, and that there are things that happened in the past that can't be undone. And that's why this is where we're at now. And he's kind of his whole thing with that book is that, um, civilization is just whatever people do.
1: Yeah. And, yeah, and it changes. Yeah. And
0: there's no, there's no evolution. There's no, something's better than anything else like the idea of the agricultural revolution maybe is like these are narratives that historians were telling themselves but like there are a lot of different civilizations that behaved one way at certain times of the year and other ways at other times of the year Mm -hmm. like different ways of governing that actually make more sense where like representatives of the the council are chosen by lottery and not by, like, popularity. Like, it, it was a really interesting book. It, it really went deep into these different political structures. And so, like, the examples, you know, there was a lot of, it's kind of dry. I mean, it's really fascinating, but, you know, uh, idea, um, you know, so he's really walking through these different ideas of how different places we're different. And so it, there's no right way. It is whatever it is. And so, you know, we're not bound (laughs) to behave the way we, we do just because this is how civilization is like, this is where we've evolved to. So that's, that's really interesting in terms of like, um, I was talking about like conflating science with, 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 uh, Sociology, I guess.
1: Progress, yeah. This idea of like, uh, yeah, endless, endless like, technological progress going towards some, yeah, utopian like, ideal on this on this planet, yeah. The crystal, right. the crystal palace, basically, right? Like, right.
0: Because that's the thing. The underground man was reacting so strongly. He was comparing it to a chicken coop. You know, yeah. like, like he he. I can't even put my tongue out at this thing.
1: Yeah, 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 that's right. Uh, the actual Crystal Palace, like that, um, where that, uh, which was at the Great ex- Exhibition in London, 1851, all kinds of people like that were, came, you know, like Karl Marx came, Darwin came, Dickens came, all these different writers and thinkers of that time showed up for this. And it's interesting because it was like, uh, like I said, it was the first World's Fair, but it sort of was the English response to these uh, French exhibitions that had happened since 1798, since the revolution in France. So this whole idea uh, from the French Revolution of uh, enlightenment and rationality and, and all of these things. And so then there was eight, uh, uh, sorry, 11 of these French exhibitions, which is f- sort of focused on France. And then this one that happened in Britain, which opened it up to the world. And then from that time on, from that time on until today, this very year, there's been these world expos that have happened, you know, and it's the same kind of focus, right? Um, So it's like, yeah, it's very much in the present.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I still it, it, it just find it so remarkable that he's such a flawed character to carry these these important arguments.
1: I know. Yeah. Um, he kind of had to be in a, in, a, in a certain sense. Like maybe. Um, but I like guess
0: so like he's the one who's carried the arguments of the Enlightenment, the determinism to their f- furthest. Like he says that quote in there somewhere like you guys haven't even done a quarter Of what I've done. I've carried it out. I've lived your life. And this is where I'm at.
1: Yeah. So this is an interesting part too. It's like how. What Dostoevsky thinks. Is the progression of these ideas. Yeah. Um, Like where they come from. And how. Like okay. Let me just read this part from. uh, The idiot right. And so the idiot. The the main character of the idiot. um, Prince Mishkin. Is sort of the Christ figure within the idiot, um, and basically the kind of idea is like, what would happen if Christ was in modern society, was placed in modern society, and in this case, it would be modern Russian society or Russian society of the whatever eighteen fifties or sixties or whatever. Um, and and so basically, people treat him as an idiot, right? Like he's he's well, he's an epileptic, and he's like a kind of socially awkward and all these things. Um, but he is Christ-like and he's got, he's got a really interesting take, especially on, um, Roman Catholicism. And this kind of, this kind of, I think explains where Dostoevsky is coming from. Um, like his whole sort of anti Western standpoint. And, and this goes into Russian thought even now, like right now. Um, with uh, um, like like people like Dugin, Alexander Dugin, who's mm-hmm. somewhat influential with with the Russian government, and then and then earlier philosophies like Elien, who Dostoevsky was a big influence on Elien, and Elien was supposed to be a uh, is supposed to be a, a Putin's favorite philosopher. But anyways, this this section in The Idiot is great. It's like he's talking about Roman Catholicism and So Mishkin says, it is an unchristian religion in the first place. The prince resumed in great agitation and with excessive sharpness. That's in the first place. And secondly, Roman Catholicism is even worse than atheism. That's my opinion. Yes, that's my opinion. Atheism merely preaches a negation. But Catholicism goes further. It preaches, preaches a distorted Christ, a christ uh, calumniated and defamed by it, the opposite of Christ. It preaches Antichrist. I swear it does. I assure you it does. This is my personal opinion, an opinion I've held for a long time, and it has worried me a lot myself. Roman Catholicism believes that the church cannot exist on earth without universal temporal power and cries, non possumus. In my opinion, Roman Catholicism isn't a re- even a religion but most decidedly a a continuation of the Holy Roman Empire. And everything in it is subordinated to that idea, beginning with faith. The Pope seized the earth, an earthly throne, and took up the sword. And since then, everything has gone in the same way, except that they've added lies, fraud, deceit, fanaticism, superstition, wickedness. They've trifled with the most sacred, truthful, innocent, ardent feelings of the people have bartered it all for money for base temporal power. And isn't this the teaching of the Antichrist? Isn't it clear that atheism has come from them? Okay. So this is the progression. And it did come from them, from Roman Catholicism itself. Atheism originated, first of all, with them. How could they believe in it themselves? It gained ground because of abhorrence of them. It is the child of their lies and their spiritual impotence. Atheism. In our country, it is only the upper classes who do not believe, as Mr. Radomsky has so splendidly put it the other day, for they have lost their roots. But in Europe, vast numbers of the common people are beginning to lose their faith, at first from darkness and lies, and now from fanaticism, hatred of the church and Christianity. So... I think that says it in a nutshell. Where he's coming from, it's like the um, Roman Catholicism, Western, the Western Church gets it wrong because it um, it's it's all about temporal power. It's all about the state. It's it's the church and state together, which is not Christianity at all. It's Antichrist, and so because of that, and because of the obvious hypocrisy behind that, um, there's a reaction to it. And the reaction to it creates atheism, nihilism, radicalism, socialism, everything else. But the idea of the universal, of the, of the cath- Catholic um, view of things, that we should spread this around the world, still remains. So, so you have this idea of like this, uh, in, in, in all Western um, ideologies, this idea of universalism. We have to spread this around the world, right? spread this to everyone. Because this is the truth, um, and that comes from Roman Catholicism, and Dostoevsky is convinced that that's atheist. Uh, sorry, that's not even atheist. That's that's Antichrist. Um, so then he uh, he contrasts that with his own sort of Orthodox beliefs, um, which is Christ in the moment, like not connected to temporal power at all. Um, so in that sense, like when I read something like that, it's like uh, I I don't know if he's reactionary at all. You know, <laughs> like he, he seems he seems anti-reactionary in that point. You know, even though that in 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 one way that's that's at his reactionary apex, but in another way that's that's more revolutionary than anything else. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. So so this is what, yeah this is the the huge thing that comes out with even modern russian politics like what um what's going on there
0: I it's fascinating that there there's this the 19th century was such a there's something political and artistic and literary there mm-hmm. that created created so much um psychological thought and you know uh I guess, but you could say the same of like France and, uh, you know, even
1: America and stuff, I guess. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah. There's, there's this tension through Russian literature, especially of, well, it comes up the best in Dostoevsky, I guess, this idea like the yeah, the West and the East, right? Like in what Western values are universal and secular and based on temporal power and and then the eastern viewpoint is is more yeah this transcendental image of christ
0: they had a completely different church they were
1: orthodox yeah, yeah split split for for centuries at that point yeah um so, and this is this is what you hear now with, yeah, like Alexander Dugan and, and other people in Putin's circle, like Surkov. But it stuff. seems that, like all it, this
0: stuff leads to, like, fascism,
1: or strangely. It, yeah, yeah. It, I don't know. Like, this is the thing. When I read, you read that that section, right? And it's like, he's right, you know. It's the Roman Catholic Church. Has always been um, sucked up with temporal power, right? It's always been associated with temporal power, and even when it, even when it no longer was Roman Catholic, and you have the Anglican Church, which is basically um, the the English version of the Roman Catholic Church, and then you have all the ideologies that sort of like subsequently happened from that. And it's like the idea there is like, um, yeah it comes down to what he's saying in the notes from underground is that we are just piano keys. You know, like there, there is um, this rational basis um, underlying humanity and there's nothing transcendental. There's nothing um, irrational or imaginative beyond that. And eventually, if we discover the keys to that, if we discover the formulas behind it and the algorithms behind it, everything will function perfectly and there'll be no more problems in the world, right? And that still is the ideology, the the, the sort of ideology of the West, um, the the, the sort of basis of the West, you know? Um, Like there's, I don't know, there's an undercurrent, there's a huge undercurrent of romanticism that sort of rebels against that, you know? But but, uh, it's like uh, that still dominates it in a way it dominates us even more like we're more controlled by the algorithms than ever you know like way more than we were in way the way more
0: like now it's actually we're being manipulated like we created the matrix and then we put ourselves in it and now the matrix is running us
1: right yeah and 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 so then then i start to read this stuff, these quotes about um, Dostoevsky and Christ, and it's like uh, this seems more subversive than anything else, right? Like here's another one. This is from when he wrote The Devils. He said, uh, Christ is the ideal man in the flesh. Um, And there's not, uh, and Christ doesn't even have any real teachings and only occasional words, but the main thing is the image of Christ from which all, from which comes all teaching not Christ's morality not the teaching of Christ will save the world but precisely faith that the word became flesh this faith is not just intellectual recognition of the superiority of his teachings but direct attraction Um, and so this is this is an assertion of free will right like the assertion of the ultimate assertion of two plus two equals five you know like to say Yeah, I'm going to believe in Christ, even though, even if it was proved 100% by by rationality and by science and by scientific materialism that Christ was fake, I'm still going to assert this greatest image produced by my imagination, you know?
0: Yeah, that's reminding. So after our last talk i went and listened to all those fry lectures yeah and like he was he made it maybe a similar point like you don't like the historical is not what you're interested in you know like that wouldn't be this is not what we're paying attention to like that it, it there's yeah there's there's something that he said that connects to what you just said, as far about the ideal that is the, the literary Christ.
1: Yeah, like he, um, of course, Northrop Fry did that. One of the the earliest um, big studies of Blake, and still one of the best, right? And that that's what Blake believed as well. He he he. Blake considers himself as a Christian, but he said. The idea, it, it doesn't matter if if Christ existed in history or not, you know? And so it's the same idea. It doesn't matter if Christ is proven somehow. Because if you want to prove the existence of Christ or the existence of God, then already you're placing proof above them, right? And so you're already falling into the mistake of the crystal palace, right? You're already saying that proof is beyond... This other thing, and and this other thing is completely irrational, capricious. Like it can do anything, it can change anything, at any time, right? It's 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 entire imagination, right? Um, so so once you try to place Christ in history and say uh, um, Christ has to be proven to be in history, you've already lost it. Um, According to Blake. and then Fry would would know that as well. Like that would be his point of view as well. Um, so, yeah, this 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 um, essay I was talking about to you but before he this guy breaks it down. So in the underground man, two plus two equals five, it's it's capricious and rebellious. It's an assertion of a rational free will, not. He's not yet a believer. The underground man is not a believer, but he's in search of something more than the underground. He admits that. And then um, he's got, Dostoevsky's got another kind of shorter story called The Dream of a Ridiculous Man. And in that book, um, the hero has these visions of this image of beauty, right? Um, The image of beauty itself. But he's not yet... Um, it's not Christ, so it's not fully congealed yet. So, so in this case, for, for the ridiculous man, two plus two equals five, is spiritually productive. Like it's still, it's going towards something, right? It's not just spinning all over the place like the underground man, but it's not yet Christ. But it's a living image of some higher beauty, you know. It's it's some sort of a guide. And then the third step is Dostoevsky himself, and for him, two plus two equals five is Christ. In the image of Christ, and then the willingness to stay with Christ, even if everything proves that He is a mistake, um, and that's the that's the sort of ultimate position, right? Like that, um, where He leads to. Um, but this this I thought was interesting. The uh, like you must have thought of this too about two plus two equals five, comparing that with with Orwell, right? With Nineteen Eighty-Four. Hmm. Um. And it's a completely. Uh, this is a completely different spin on it, right? Like, um. So it's like, uh, In 1984, uh. Like, yeah, it's but it's easier just to read this. So, um, Winston Winston Smith is writing in his uh in his diary, um, and he's saying like the party. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. His heart sank as he thought about the enormous power arrayed against him, the ease with which any party intellectual would overthrow him in debate, the subtle arguments which he would not be able to understand, much less answer. And yet he was right. They were wrong. He was right. The obvious, the silly, the true had to be defended. Truisms are true. Hold on to that. The solid world exists. Its laws do not change. Stones are hard. Water is wet. Objects unsupported fall towards the earth's center. With uh, with the feeling that he was speaking to O'Brien and also that he was setting forth an important axiom he wrote in his diary. Freedom is the freedom to say two plus two make four. If that is granted, all else follows. So that's the opposite point. Um, so he's he's asserting his freedom by saying two plus two equals four because um, the party is saying that uh, like the the whatever the communist party or the the party that controls ocean right. Minutes. So they're
0: saying that the the laws of nature are what we say the laws of nature are.
1: Yeah, and so they they get him eventually to admit that two plus two equal five. And they they break him down. That's the whole point of the of of capturing him is to break him down, to to get him to say anything of his own free will, um, of his own free will, make him believe whatever they want him to believe. Um, so he- which m- prompts me to
0: think about how just having a conversation anymore about anything is becoming more and more difficult now because there are certain truth touchstones that are completely up for grab.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, this like, is the inter- oh, yeah. sorry, go ahead.
0: No, I mean, it, I was, it's just the, the idea that, especially in what we'd have to say the underground where truth is whatever people believe at this point in time, like there isn't a touchstone where we can we can have a a mutual conversation
1: yeah 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 this whole yeah breakdown of reality Um.
0: and it it has like the the there's a spiritual component to it so i it's funny because gary lockman that writer is coming up in my mind because he wrote about trump and Trump's, he's, written,
1: he's written about Putin, too, which is he it,
0: did. Right. Yeah. And I haven't read that one. And now I'm curious about it. But Trump was a follower of Vincent Peale, I think, you know, like the power of positive thinking. And so if in your mind you're saying two plus two is five, that's the truth, because that's what you believe. Even though it's not true, and therefore, we can't, we don't have mutual ground to have a conversation anymore because your power of positive thinking is, you know, you you don't want to necessarily think the worst thought. I'm not going to concede that I lost the election because I truly believe that I won. You know, yeah. I don't care what your facts say because I believe that I won.
1: Yeah, and this this is something that. Um... Yeah, you find with people like Surkov and people in Putin's cir- uh, circle in Russia as well, like this idea of unreality, right? Um, confusing things so that nobody knows exactly what is true or what isn't true and supporting all sides of a political dispute so that nobody knows what side the government um, is, is backing and therefore the people are confused about following any side, you know, and I'm sure it's not just Russia that's doing this, you know, it's like that. It, it gets pegged on Russia, but I'm sure the Americans are way into this kind of thinking as well, you know. Um, but yeah, this goes like back to uh, back to 1984. It says in the end, the party would announce that two and two made five and you would have to believe it. It was inevitable that they should make the claim sooner than later. Sooner or later, the logic of their position demanded it. Not merely the validity of experience, but the very existence of et- external reality, was tacitly denied by their philosophy. The heresy of heresies was common sense. And what was terrifying was not that they would kill you for thinking otherwise, but that they might be right. For after all, how do we know that two plus two and two make four? Or that the force of gravity works, or that the past is unchangeable. If both the past and the external world exist only in the mind, and if the mind itself is controllable, what then? <laughs> so that that's the flip side to the under the underground man. You know, it's like um, so the underground man is asserting two plus two equals five as his own personal freedom against um, the crystal palace, the rationalization of everything. I'm not a piano key. Two plus two equals five. But then, if the Hmm. state does that, you know, then nothing becomes real. And then uh, there's no grounding at all. So that's why, and this, like, Orwell, I think, was an atheist, but he sort of touches, I think, he he comes to it in in 1984. It's like, uh, there's that part where Winston's in um, room 101, uh, I guess it is, room 101, and so he's being tortured, basically, and then they ask him, do you believe in God, Winston? He says, no. Then what is it, this principle, that will defeat us? I don't know, the spirit of man. Do you consider yourself a man? Yes. If you are a man, Winston, you are the last man. Your kind is extinct. We are the inheritors. You understand that you are alone. You are outside history. You are non-existence. Uh, his manner changed, and he said more harshly, "And you consider yourself morally superior to us with our lies and our cruelty." So, once they asked him on this, "Do you believe in God, Winston?" He says, "No." They've got him. You know. Then they know that there's nothing. Uh, like he has, he has no ideal. You know, he has no no. Image that he's he's working towards, like Dostoevsky had, you know. And so then he is the underground man, and then once they know he's the underground man, he doesn't have anything behind him. Then they can twist reality in whatever the way they want, you know. So then, yeah, it's so it's so weird. It's like the the crystal palace itself, like it's still like the state in 1984 comes from the same Enlightenment tradition as the Crystal Palace, right? This whole sort of... But then um, they use the methods of the underground man to distort reality even more, and so their control becomes even more totalitarian. Yeah, and
0: as you were talking about, as we really solidified the Crystal Palace as the... I mean, another one of the the metaphors was the wall that you come up against. Right. Um, But the Crystal Palace is, you know, the same. I start thinking about the Black Iron Prison Mm -hmm. and then Philip K. Dick's response to that through his fiction, too. I mean, which is similar to Dostoevsky's if... If you're correct,
1: yeah, and 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 his yeah his response to it is also like he responds in the, in a Gnostic way, like thinking that there's there's something outside of it, you know, that there's something. Um, so I, I was reading just um, just today um, some essay uh, some guy had a take on. Um, Dostoevsky as a as a Gnostic in a certain way too right like so like he's not saying in the same Gnostic sense he's not saying the creator the creator God is the evil demiurge but he is saying that um, this world is controlled by Satan or Antichrist so in, in that way it fills the role of the demiurge the Gnostic demiurge right and so then the way out of it is is again this image of the higher Father God or Christ. Who's an emissary of that, um, and then and that's what that's what uh, Philip K. Dick believed as well. Like that's the way out of the black iron prison. Like that idea, the the divine invasion, right? Like that's what Christ was—the divine invasion, right—from the uh, from the Father God into this fallen world. Then we haven't even talked about the Book of Job and uh, and Nietzsche yet. <laughs> <You know. laughs> can we can we take a little break? I'm gonna. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just give me a minute or so.